I will share with you the instructions from the Sutra for the Bodhisattva. The Bodhisattva, as she sits in meditation, or he, calls to mind all the beings living in the world at this time on this planet. Boy, there are a lot. So it's hard to see each single one. But in the Bodhisattva's mental eye, in their imagined landscape looking out, they see vast numbers of beings. And we could just, let's just limit it now to uh, the humans. It's still seven and some billion right now. So that fills up the landscape as far as the eye can see, it seems. You don't need to count each separate one. There's just a whole bunch. And now the Bodhisattva see the exceedingly great numbers of all the beings who ever lived all the human beings who ever lived, back through time. And you can imagine they just extend endlessly to far distant horizons, as if on successive mountain ranges, covered with beings from every corner of the planet, from every culture, from every century and Millennium back, back, back through time. So vast a number. And now the Bodhisattva calls to mind that in each of these lives there was performed an act of merit, a gesture of love, of assistance to another being, of healing, of care, of generosity. There was no life so deprived or so depraved that there was not at least one act of merit whether it be in a king's palace or on the battlefield or in the gutters of the great, great city. And, the and upon reflecting that, the bodhisattva is struck with a sense of abundance. And so he begins to sweep them together now, for this, it's important for you to use your hands, get your body into it. You're imagining all these acts of merit, and the Bodhisattva sweeps them together, sweeps them together, makes a big, 
big pile, but you can imagine how many acts of merit, of love, of generosity, of healing, of self-sacrifice. Wow. And then the bodhisattva pats them together in a big ball. So it's good to get your hands into that too. Big ball. Wow. And then the bodhisattva takes the ball and so weighs it in his, her hands and views this ball. This is the great ball of merit. And the bodhisattva views this with jubilation. Anumodana. Wow. Because, you see, the bodhisattva knows that no act of merit is ever lost. But continues on, inheres in the web of life. So that the courage of a Dr. King, the wisdom of a Mahatma Gandhi, the insight and generosity of a Dorothy Day, of a Wangari Matai, of a Rachel Carson, all those, all those who loved and gave to life, their acts of merit still inhere, cohere in life. And so the Bodhisattva takes this big, big ball of merit and slowly, gradually turns it over, turns it over into the healing of our world. The word for turning over in Buddhist Sanskrit is parinamana, which is also transformation. We tap into the moral wealth, the brilliance of our brother-sister beings back through time. And that reminds us that we never, we don't need to just count on our separate little stash of strength and <laughs> virtues. What we need is far greater than we can supply out of our own private closet. So we draw, and this is a wonderful secret, that's contained in this simple childlike practice is that we can draw on the strengths of each other back through time. Indeed, that is so.
that practice, which is from the chapter 6 of the uh, Perfection of Wisdom Sutra Prajnaparamita, uh, is called uh, the Great Ball of Merit and is among uh, a bunch of meditations that are in the new coming back to life. It's in the old one as well. Meditations for the great turning or spiritual practices for activists. They parade under a number of titles. So that's this first thing to uh, receive from this late afternoon hour is that the power is always there for, for you. It comes from our interexistence in the web of life. You dial it up, it's there. You think of it, it's there. Now I want the second part of this afternoon. It's a little different in tone. Uh, it's about what you can think about and the great turning. And I am in love with the last book by Richard Heinberg of Santa Rosa. Uh, he has been one of my uh, political teachers for the last 20 years. And uh, he has a section in this book called, I can't say I like the title, it's called Afterburn. <laughs> it sounds like something you take after a big meal. <laughs> but it's Society Beyond Fossil Fuels, and he is talking about the whatever is happening in terms of the need to stop the engines of the Industrial Growth Society and the huge inertia, inertia of these uh, systems um, and that are in place, uh, what is found to be of marvelous efficacy both politically and socially and in your mind, is uh, going local, working on the local level, and uh, in countless ways. And when I'm in other parts of the country and other parts of the world, I take pride in talking about Northern California. I take pride in talking about uh, what a uh, wonderfully exemplary has been the uh, ingenuity of making so in so many areas of life uh, in uh, uh, holding the land, different ways of uh, developing property, different ways of growing the food, different ways of marketing the food in the farmers' markets and the uh, ways of uh, pooling and generating energy together 
uh, manufacturing products together, being able to unhook from the fearsomely complex and powerful uh, globalization of uh, our economy. So it's very been very exciting to me and always very, uh, you know, I remember uh, when um, uh, Mendocino was the first county to um, uh, ban genetically modified organisms and how the thrill of that and that there's so many things that are uh, happening and new kinds of educational ventures and so forth. So I was a little surprised to, uh, and it was a good kind of a, a, you know, a pail of water, bucket of water in the face to hear about uh, this side of uh, the, uh, these counties. And he talk, he's talking mainly about Sonoma, but I think it's equally true of Marin and Mendocino. So I'm going to read a little bit. Then you get tested. <laughs> no, but my question's to you. They're not, they're not tested. But. California, Northern California's wealth is derived largely from globalization. Oh, yes, because he says... Uh, uh, just the first half of the last century, most of the uh, food and, and the economy was diverse and based on agriculture with great variety. And now, um, so he lists wheat, hops, prunes, apples, eggs, milk, beef, building materials sourced from nearby forests and quarries. Today, you know what's coming. The county and these counties bank on one significant product. Wine. Most of it is exported. Grapes have become an ecological blight on rural areas where vineyards extend from horizon to horizon crowding out ecologically diverse native oak woodlands. Wine leaves by the truckload, while everything else the people of Marin, Sonoma, and Mendocino need and use arrives on the backs of 18-wheelers, much of it from China. The vast majority of food consumed here, once locally grown, is now imported. Processed and packaged edibles available in downscale supermarkets and fast food chains and outlets in Santa Rosa are identical to what you'd find anywhere else in America these days and contribute to rising rates of obesity and other food-related diseases. Northern California, so these things, wealth derived largely from globalization draws people to live here. As a result, the area is some of the highest rents, land prices and rents. Not a problem if you're a high-flying tech baron or vintner, 
But if you work in the service industry or trying to make a living growing anything other than grapes, it's tough to get by. California has the highest poverty rate in the nation. Did you know that? The state is home to about 12% of the total U.S. population, but a full third of U.S. welfare recipients. Income inequality is already higher here than in almost any other state. Get that. And it's increasing fast. In the last five years, the number of Californians earning between fifty and 100000 fell by almost 75000 while the income below it and above it were growing. Project these trends a couple of decades into the future and you arrive at some version of hell, a society that is socially and ecologically ruined. A lot of Californians, a lot of you and your neighbors have already done that visualization exercise, and that's what drives them to want more local manufacturing jobs, more locally grown food, stronger communities comprised of skilled, motivated, engaged, and decently paid people. So, right along with the great ball of merit, for as a practice, you get that earful of some realities of right here in this beautiful region that we live in. Even those of us uh, across the bay. And it's totally relevant for us to think of how whatever in this, however we want to engage in the great turning, however we want to enter into what is surely the greatest spiritual adventure of our time, this transition to a life-sustaining economy. Some part of what we do will be spent in looking out for and finding out about and supporting and engaging in some way in supporting uh, local, local activities, economic activities for food, for manufacturing, for teaching, for whatever. Even if it's knowing how when the lights go out, you can go out into the nature down the street and survive. So this learning to love and be curious about the land where you live, this beautiful land. So much of it now in the hands of absentee owners. There are many ways I know that you are uh, hooked into the contributing to the transition 
to a life-sustaining society, to a livable future. I know some of you, how, what you're doing with, uh, in, in climate change and climate, abrupt climate disruption activities. Uh, I know what some of you are doing around slowing the build-up to war. So whatever we're doing, and there'll be so, so many activities, but I bring something very practical, very concrete to think about how you're going to bless your land and learn about your land by fostering locally-based activities there. End of sermon. <laughs> I never gave one like that before. But uh, why not? <laughs> this is a new day. Yeah. And the great turning has got to happen. So uh, I would like to um, have us, us stand up and sit down. Maybe that's a punctuation mark. And I'm going to ask you three questions. And these questions are meant as uh, prompts and guidelines to stick in your mind. But you'll answer them in the a cathedral of your own heart-mind right now. In serving my planet, life on my planet this year, What are the strengths that I want to use? Or I put it in the other pronoun. In taking part in the great turning, what strengths of yours do you want to enlist and use? Take your time with that. It's a good and juicy question. And to be a little more specific, let me say, what strengths of body, speech, and mind 
do you want to use? Okay, question number two. In service to life on earth, what do you want to learn? What specifically? What some would you like to learn now? Next. Picture the people that you want to work with. You may not even know them yet, but imagine the people that will cross your paths or that you will seek out to link arms with. And lastly,
sensing in fresh new ways your connection with the land, your love for the land. And imagining that you can be have and knowing that you can have access to all the power that is there for you in the great ball of merit. What do you want to do? What do you want to do for the great turning? So, uh, blessings on your path, on the encounters in store as you continue the many things you're already generously committed to, opening to the welcoming, the unexpected, knowing never to try anything alone. Fully committed to acting your age, which is just in terms of the planet at least four billion years old. Yeah, all that life invested in you. Glory be to Gaia. Glory be to Gaia.